And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, choir. Beautiful. Let's pray. God, may your bright light shine. May we hear your good news in this strange story that we heard this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So, like I told the kids, the last Sunday before Ash Wednesday is always Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, right before, it's, we're, we're ending our season of Epiphany, the season of light. And now we're going down, we're traveling that, that road less traveled now. And it's, it's, a, it's quite a turn. But why Transfiguration? You know, there's a lot of miracles in the Bible, right? There's a lot of miracles in the Bible. But why this miracle? Um, you know, maybe that's why Transfiguration isn't as popular as, say, Christmas or Easter. There's probably not going to be any Transfiguration sales today. You won't be wishing people Happy Transfiguration Sunday to anybody today. We don't have holidays for it. But why? Why this miracle of Jesus glowing and transfiguring before the eyes of these three disciples who were close to him? We can kind of understand at a point the mystery of the incarnation and Jesus coming into the world. Yeah, that's God with us. Okay, I get that. We can sort of appreciate, we can sort of understand the mystery of the resurrection. Yes, life is stronger than death. In Christ is our eternal life given to us. We no longer have to worry about the sting of death. Yes, but but why? Transfiguration. And the key to it is it started off six days later. Well, what happened six days before this very odd event on the mountain? That's when Jesus asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say that I am? Well, Jesus, some say you're the great Elijah prophet. Others say you're this. Others say, you that, say that. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Peter raises his hand. What does he say? You are the Christ. And Jesus says, on, on, on this I will build my church. And then Jesus makes a turn in his conversation six days before this. He says, and the Son of Man will be betrayed and will hang upon a cross and I'll be killed. I'll be raised on the third day. And what does Peter say? I'll have none of that, not my Messiah. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Those are strong words. And I'm sure as they walked along and went from village to village, that maybe that prediction, so to speak, stunned them a little. Maybe there was a little doubt, like, did I pick the right Messiah? You know? Maybe even Jesus himself, we know he trembled in the garden and sweat of blood came out of his pores because he, would, he was like, Lord, let this, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, thy will. Maybe even Jesus had some thoughts about what he was about to happen 
But six days later, he took three of them. Not all 12. He took three of them, the closest disciples. They go up on the mountain. And maybe those disciples climb up and they're doing a little fearful doubting. And all of a sudden they have this vision. It says this, Jesus' whole countenance changed and he was glowing. And then all of a sudden, Elijah, Elijah, that's the Super Bowl MVP of the Old Testament prophets. Moses, the Super Bowl MVP of the giver of the law. And there they are. And that Peter, James, and John are like eating popcorn, watching. What's, it's almost like they're watching a screen. of what, And they cannot believe what's going on. And at this point, it's pretty awesome. It's got to be pretty awesome. It's kind of like, it's like this amazing movie that's happening and they're getting to watch and they're, they're getting set and they're getting to look and see their man Jesus along with these two titans, Elijah and Moses. And then it said, a cloud covered them all. And then a voice, a voice said, this is my son in whom I'm, I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And when it said, listen to him, it knocked him back and it scared him. I don't know if you're much of a movie buff. A lot of people um, have kind of stopped going to movies. But, but we've, we've gone to a couple uh, of movies lately, Jen and I have. Um, but you know, you can kind of watch a movie from a safe distance and your popcorn and you can get scared for a moment or you can be sad for a moment. But you know, those are they're actors up on the screen. So you walk away. You wipe your eyes or you talk about how funny it was or if it was a great action movie. But imagine if the movie came out and grabbed you by the throat and said you were a part of this story. Popcorn, you'd probably start choking on your popcorn, wouldn't you? That's exactly what happened. They fell back when Jesus' story surrounded them and said, listen to him. You are part of the story. My favorite movie was Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was at the DeVille Plaza when I saw it. I was 12 years old and had no idea what I was going to watch. And I was totally lost in that movie, Harrison Ford and that thing. And I just, I, I, I can see you know, him against the Nazis and all that, trying to find the Ark of the Covenant and all that. But I, I can't, it, it, it made an impact on me as a 12-year-old, but I can't imagine if the movie pulled me in and I was running with Harrison Ford through all those places. But that, that's what's going on right there. God is invading the living room of Peter, James, and John. And all of a sudden, they can't be on the sidelines anymore because they've got to listen to God. They've got to obey God. They've got to respond to God's grace. And pulled in to the story. It is a fearful thing, friends, to be invaded by God. God's doing a little B&E, breaking and entering, right? Jesus even compares God to a thief who comes in the night. God is encroaching in upon our lives, telling us to listen to him. It's time for you to do something. It's time to respond to God's gospel. You can't just eat popcorn and watch it on a screen all your life. You've got to get involved you got to get involved. I walk my dog early in the morning. And when I walk my dog, this probably happens to you in your neighborhood, I get whistled to by all the houses. You're on camera 
Anybody hear that from a house when you walk by? Everybody's got those alarms, right? Because nobody wants to be broken into. But God is coming in on us. Transfiguration. It's about every appearance before God, every miracle in the Bible has this cycle, this, this cycle that, that happens, whereas uh, characters walking along, doing just fine, their, their life is on the normal washing machine settings, right? Casual, normal, you know, delicate, whatever, they're walking. And then all of a sudden, there's a divine break-in. And then... There's this third scene in everybody's life in Scripture. That is, they get touched by God and says, God says, fear not. Every time. Moses, minding his own business in Midian, out in the country, found himself a job, got kicked out of Egypt, doing just fine. And all of a sudden, God appears in a burning bush. Moses, Moses. And his life turned upside down. Mary, minding her own business, life-setting, on normal, casual. And God comes to her in the form of an angel and says, you will have my baby. And then the angel says, fear not. The women at the empty tomb in the resurrection, minding their own business, taking spices to their beloved, dead, Jesus. All of a sudden, the stone is rolled away and the angel says, he is not here, he's been risen. And their life turned upside down. And God says, fear not. The disciples here, when they get that word, listen to this guy, they are petrified of the divine break-in. Why are they so scared? Why are they so worried? Because new life, resurrection life, being born again, new life, anytime we encounter it, demands the death of an old life we got to walk away from something old. And it calls for a move into the unknown. And that is scary. It is fearful to fall into the hands of God, but, but not the way we thought. You see, they thought before Jesus that if you got touched by God, you would die. But now God touches us in the light of Jesus Christ, and we realize we have to live another life. We're called to take some chances that safe and normal are no longer words for us. And we have to serve and be vulnerable. And that's the pattern of this crucified and risen God that we worship every single Sunday at St. Luke's. I don't know how this happened, but every now and then for a preacher, uh, you'd be surprised. Your, your, our schedules get very busy. I know you, know, you, you think I only work one hour a week, but I promise you sometimes it gets busier than that. I've got to do four weddings between now and June. Four. That's almost too many because it's like, oh my goodness, when am I going to find the time to do premarital counseling? That's about 20 sessions between now and June, and it's a little bit of a challenge. There, there's this sweet couple getting married in Paris, France. And I thought, I got a call from them. And I thought, man, I'm going to get to go to France. But really all they need is marital counseling. So I, I don't get to go to France. But that's okay. Um, I got the I know it. Poor me. Poor me. But here's the deal. In marriage, 
as we prepare to get married, your life changes, doesn't it? In fact, you got to kind of put that old life behind you. You've got responsibilities you never thought you had. Oh, it's awesome. It's bliss. It's great. But you've got some serious responsibilities that changes your life completely because of the person you've fallen in love with. Having a child. Say goodbye to your old life. Say hello to your new life. Jen and I were on the four-year plan. Anybody get married thinking that? Hey, you know, we'll get married for about four years. Why don't we just be a couple and enjoy and take trips? Year one, Jen says, uh, <laughs> uh, we're having a baby. And my life changed. And I tell people, and you know this, if you had a child, you almost don't remember what life was like beforehand because, you're so, because your life, because that little child demands so much of your time and your energy. You've got energy that you never knew you had. My dad told me the last time he slept, had a good night's sleep was March the 3rd, 1966, before his first, right? <laughs> Children, marriage... Your job, you can think of other things. They're life changers. Why? Because there is a death of an old life and there's an embrace of a new life and it's scary. And so John and James and Peter were scared because they couldn't just enjoy their popcorn anymore. God was coming after them in a different way. The new life always demands that we let much of the old life go. And y'all, that's a divine break-in. That's a B&E. And God is ready to do. You remember this? You remember in the 80s? They all talked about seeker services, right? Everybody's seeking something, so let's go after them. No. Most people aren't seeking. You know what they are doing? They're hiding. But this God will not leave us alone. This God is who's seeking us. God in the garden. Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? They were hiding, right? Come on out. God knew where they were. But they were hiding and seeking. Because God will not leave us alone. As they were locked in the fetal position, it was just too much. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus comes to them. He reaches out, and it says in Scripture, he touches them and says this, Get up and do not be afraid. That is the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus touched me and told me, Get up and do not be afraid. There was a Jewish rabbi, a little bit older than Jesus, born about 60 years before Jesus, the earthly Jesus was born. His name was Hillel. If you go to any... Large school, and there's a Jewish fellowship. There's a Hillel Foundation there. Somebody, some Greek person, asked uh, these rabbis, and Hillel was in the group, hey, um, I'm really interested in Judaism, but uh, I'll only convert if, you'll, if you can tell me what it means on one foot. Meaning, tell it to me straight. Now, one of the rabbis got a stick and, and, beat him, and just tell him to shoo and beat him off, but not... Hillel, Hillel 
stood on one foot. I, I mean, I can do it. I don't have the right shoes. But he stood on one foot and he said, that which is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. All the rest is commentary. Go and study. But you know what? If somebody asked me what Christianity was all about, I would say, Jesus touched me on the shoulder and said, get up and do not be afraid. How many of you went through something that you know you couldn't handle on your own and somebody came up to you and put their hand on your shoulder and said, God loves you and we're in it with you and I know this is scary, but God's going to calm us down. Tell me that wasn't the hand and face and voice of Jesus that did that for you. And any time you had the courage to do that for someone else, I'm here to tell you, brother and sister, you did it for somebody else. You were Jesus. You were Jesus to somebody else. That is the gospel truth of the whole story. This transfiguration is being transfigured by the divine touch and the encouragement of God in Christ. That you can get up no matter what knocked you down. And you can get up and go again. Do not be afraid. This is Jesus coming to you. Ben and Catherine on the Wednesday interview. They got to share their stories. I'm so glad they found each other. My goodness, especially Ben. I'm glad he found Catherine for sure. Um, he really outkicked his coverage there. Um, and he'll admit that to you. Um, but to hear their stories. They both shared Stories, very different experiences, but they were both stories that they were in above their nose line, right? Wouldn't you say, Catherine and Ben? And somebody reached out, put their hand on them, said, get up. Do not be, do not be afraid. Enter new life. Be transformed. Let the old life go. This last week, when Cookie didn't make it to work, this church and this preschool put their hand on Stephanie, the daughter, and poor Nick, who was locked in the house. He was, he was in the house, and he knew his grandmother was not responsive, and there he was alone. And so Emily and the paramedic are helping little eight-year-old Nick Unlock the door. They go in. Now here's something amazing. You talk about a touch, get up, and go. You talk about a Jesus moment. I got the most beautiful text from Corbin Jobert, who loved Cookie. And Cookie works at the corner market. Cookie works at the corner market. And I, I guess she was there after it all happened. A day or two afterwards, she had to go to work. And she reached out and she told Corbin what happened. And they held each other. And Stephanie told Corbin, he said, you won't believe it. When I finally got there, the emergency worker, after my mom, they couldn't do anything for my mom. The emergency worker had cooked breakfast for Nick so that he could eat breakfast and she had her hand on his shoulder. And Jesus touched him. And he said, get up. And do not be afraid. 
I don't know where that EMT person, whether it was a woman or a man, but I can tell you what, their church should be proud. I need to find out who that is and let their pastor and their church know that that person was the hand of God and enacted the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to love Nick. We're going to love Stephanie. And Emily's trying to, you know, any way that we can help them. We've got a little benevolence line item. And whatever Nick needs, you know, after going through that traumatic situation, we're going to make sure he gets counsel, whatever he needs. And if you want to help out, ask Emily. We'll figure out how to do this. But if you're awake, and if you're paying attention, you'll see that the transfiguration happens over and over and over and over again. And every now and then, you get to be the spaghetti bowl. And God is telling you, put your popcorn up. I need to touch somebody through you. And I need another person to know that they can get up and not be afraid again. Let your faces alight and glow in Jesus' love when we get back off that mountain. Jesus' light is the light of the disciples. It's our light too. You'll need that light down the mountain. You'll need it for yourself and others. Be that hand. Be that light. May it be so. Amen. Invite us to stand. I don't know what our, the number is. Uh, on 133, let us stand and sing. Thank you.